Welcome to the Major Gifts Fundraiser podcast with Clark Van Deventer. I'm Monica, and we're excited to have the opportunity to help you raise more money for your nonprofit than you ever thought possible by developing deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors. This podcast is designed to get you thinking, to challenge you, to inspire you, and to give you some practical tools that you can use right now in your work as a fundraiser. If you hear something that you'd like to learn more about, or if Clark mentions a resource you'd like to get your hands on, just email me. My email address is monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. That's monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. We offer a variety of services to nonprofits and development professionals, from DIY, that's do-it-yourself, to DWY, done with you, to DFY, that's done for you. To learn more, just email me at monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. All right, without further ado, here's Clark. Buenos dias. Hey, Clark Van Deventer here from Major Gifts Fundraiser. Hope you're having a great day. All right. I was talking the other day about our changing culture, the change in tone, the change in sympathetic resonance, all right, that we have going on in our society. Like, are you speaking in tune with your donors and the direction the culture is going? And I really want you to think about this. I want to challenge you and tell you and encourage you, it's okay to be less confident and more real, all right? Fake it till you make it is going out of style, all right? Process is in style. Being real is in style, all right? That's awesome, all right? So I've been talking about these themes a lot, both professionally and personally, all right? I've mentioned my other podcast here before. I have another podcast called Dealing With 40, all right? Basically, I turned 40 earlier this year, and I've been processing my life and struggling with it a little bit or or a lot at times. And I've been interviewing people who are older and wiser and asking them for perspective. And what's cool about these interviews is that I'm not looking for anything from these people. Like at various times in my life, I may have postured and positioned a bit with these folks. I may have held something back thinking that I don't really want them to know that because I have some other angle I am working on with this person. Maybe they can help me get that job or they can help me get that client. All right. But none of that is going on with these interviews. They are raw. All right. And people have listened to them and they're like, Clark, do you know Brene Brown? All right. And Brene Brown uh, is this quote unquote um, vulnerability expert. And yes, I am familiar with Brene Brown. I know she's the vulnerability expert. I did watch a TED talk with her a while back. All right. Like going back, I don't know, a while. And I have wanted to read something by her, which I just did. All right. More on that in a second. The book is daring greatly. I recommend it to you personally. All right. And to you as the leader of a nonprofit organization. Like I recommend it to you both as a person and as a professional. 
All right. But I want to remind you here that like we have personal lives and we have professional lives, right? But our professional lives are also deeply personal. All right. So I, I want to make this point because you may think that being vulnerable um, is this challenge that will lead to deeper and more meaningful relationships in your personal life. But what I am telling you is that being vulnerable in your donor relationships will lead to deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors. You will have deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors. They will be real relationships. And you will raise more money, all right? But it's not a trick, all right? Like, you cannot fake this stuff. So we have a lot of best practices that we teach, right? Our little company, when an organization hires us and we come in, we have a lot of systems that we implement. We have metrics we use to hold um, to hold yourself accountable or to help your boss uh, hold you accountable to make sure that you are engaged in the right kinds of activities. But I can usually tell really early on in a conversation with an organization if we're really going to get anywhere, because there are some things I can teach you, but I, I can't teach you to love your donors. Like, I can't teach that, all right? Lo loving our donors ought to be easy, all right? We have given our lives to a cause. You wake up every morning and you go to work advancing a cause. All right? I don't think you got into this line of work for the money. I don't think you surveyed the market and thought, like, how can I make some money? Like, how can I get ahead in this world? Right? That's not how you got into nonprofit work. You are not motivated by money. You are motivated by cause, by doing good in this world. Sure, you get paid. Like, yes, it's a job. Yes, there are days... You do what you have to do, not what you want to do, right? But, but, like, remember, why are you here? Why are you here in the first place? You got into this line of work because you care deeply about something. You want to change the world, whatever that is, whether it's humanitarian work or a political cause or education or a youth program or whatever. And your donors are giving to that. They could do anything with their money. They could spend it. They could give it to something else. But they share your values. They believe in the same things that you believe in. They want the same things. And they're willing to give their money, their life, right, to the same thing you have given your life to. All right, how do you not love these people? Like genuinely love them. So Starbucks, right, the Starbucks Green Apron book, the employee manual, right, this little green apron book that they give to all of their employees, right, you open it up and ask this question, why are we here, right, that's the question, like, why are we here at Starbucks, right, you're an employee at Starbucks, why are we here, the answer is, to provide an uplifting experience that enriches people's daily lives, right? And then the question, how do we do it? In legendary ways 
big and small. All right, if Starbucks can get that jazzed about coffee, I, I don't know. Like It seems to me that you ought to be able to get that jazzed about your mission. So Howard Bear, he's the uh, retired president of Starbucks. He said, in most organizations, the rule book goes too far. It tries to tell people how to be instead of explaining what they're there to do. And what I am telling you is that the question we need to focus on isn't what do we do, but instead we should be focusing on who are we. Focus less on what you do and more on who you are. This is about organizational culture a culture of vulnerability. I've always said that I am trying to do things in service to my donors that like 20 years from now, like I'm long gone, all right? And there's a staff happy hour or whatever, and people are telling old stories, right? Like all these old war stories, right? And then somebody says like, do you guys, you guys know that Clark? There was a Clark who worked here, right? Did you ever hear about the time that he did whatever it is? Did you hear what that Clark guy did? That time he took an ambulance ride with a donor. That time he drove nine hours to deliver a gift receipt. That time he let a donor's kid stay at his house for a week. All right. Brene Brown asks this question about your organization's culture. Here's the question. What stories are legend? And what values do they convey? <sighs> All right. What stories are legend and what values do they convey? What stories are legend within your organization and what values do they convey? Other questions about culture that Brene Brown mentions. Um, what happens when someone fails, disappoints, or makes a mistake? What happens when someone fails, disappoints, or makes a mistake? Like, I've always said, if I'm going to make a mistake today, I am going to make it in service of the donor. All right, another question about culture. What's the collective tolerance for discomfort? Is the discomfort of learning, trying new things, and giving feedback normalized? Or is there a high premium put on comfort? Ooh. Like, do you put a high premium on comfort? I'm working with an organization right now. All right, I recommended making a big capital investment, spending a big chunk of their reserves at a time when they have lost significant revenue due to changes in operations due to COVID. All right, so like they would feel, right, a lot better, a lot more comfortable, right, like holding on to this money right now. But I said we needed to do it. We needed to spend it because we needed to put pressure on ourselves. We needed to be vulnerable. All right. We needed to fight the urge to be comfortable. We don't do great things. We don't become great people. We don't attract great people to give sacrificially to our cause by being comfortable. All right. So there's this line from Daring Greatly. All right. Brene Brown, Daring Greatly. Right. Faith minus vulnerability 
equals politics, or worse, extremism. All right. Spiritual connection and engagement is not built on compliance. It's a product of love, belonging, and vulnerability. All right. And I have worked in that environment before. It is not fun. But she goes on. All right. We can't give people what we don't have. Who we are matters immeasurably more than what we know or who we want to be. All right. We can't give people what we don't have. Who we are matters immeasurably more. Who we are matters immeasurably more than what we know or who we want to be. So if you want to be an expert, you want to be a great organization, you want to be a great fundraiser, focus on who you are. Put yourself in vulnerable situations. Be honest with your donors. Like the old way of communicating with your donors, the old way of building an organization was to say, we are awesome. Follow us. Look how smart we are. We've got it figured out. We're the leaders. Follow us. The new way, the more real way, the authentic way is to say, hey, we're doing something. Come join us. Partner with us. Come with us. All right. And there's never been a better time to be that person, to be that organization. There's never been an easier time to make the transition to being that kind of leader. All right. Like so much has changed in recent months because of COVID. Like you didn't anticipate COVID? No one's going to blame you for that. All right. So you can act like you're not worried. Like that you don't have a million questions about what the future holds. You can act that way and act like you've got everything figured out. Or you can be real with people about the messy process that you're in. All right. And that's awesome. That's when you get partners. People who are with you. People who will like give stand on their tiptoes gifts. That confound reason. Deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors than you ever thought possible, and raising more money than you ever have before. Right? Not because you have some trick or some gimmick, or you wrote better copy, or you used a better like vendor, or you. It's not the brilliant direct mail piece, right? Like when we get back into the event world, it's not like better center pieces or better MCs or better auction items. You're going to raise more money because you have deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors than you ever thought possible. All right, that's it. Check out the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. All right, by the way, that that line Daring Greatly comes from one of my all-time favorite quotes, right, from Teddy Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out where the Strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. All right. Great quote. Look it up if you don't know it. Teddy Roosevelt. I remember Mr. McDougal. He was a substitute teacher in my high school. Had a kind of an impressive career from what I remember. And then retired and was just subbing at my high school. I, I, I still have the eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with that quote on it that Mr. McDougal gave to me. When I was 17 years old. All right. 
Thanks for listening. Hey, if we could be helpful to you in this process, like if you want someone to partner with you, right? Someone to be vulnerable with you. All right. Uh, reach out. My email is Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. That's Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. Hey, by the way, if you never have before, love for you to review this podcast, all right? Give it a five-star review, please. <laughs> oh, gosh, so shameless. All right, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Monica here. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast and getting some great bits of information from each episode. I want to take just a minute and talk with you about how you can work with Clark as your development coach, or as he likes to put it, your mountain guide. If you were going to trek into the mountains, you may hire a mountain guide. If it's a big mountain and you don't know the terrain and you don't have experience in those parts, you certainly should have a guide. So when it comes to nonprofit development and major gifts fundraising, Clark can be that guide. He has been in these mountains before. He has over 20 years of experience and has raised millions of dollars for all different types of organizations. He knows what to expect. He's seen a lot. He knows the terrain. And like a mountain guide, he can help you. He can't take the steps for you, but he can take them with you. He has a map. He has a plan. He knows the weather. He can be your guide. So if you're looking for a coach to help take you to new heights, we're here to help. We can put together a custom coaching package that works for you. For more information, reach out to me on email at monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. That's monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, at majorgiftsfundraiser.com.